Welcome to the Solo 2.0 podcast, where two sisters, Jess and Rye, focused on health and hormone balance to help you step into that 2.0 version of you. Growing up, we heard all about hormones, sometimes more than we wanted, from our mom, who is a hormone health educator. As we got older, we rebelled and experienced our own health struggles and ups and downs. But today we have businesses helping people get in tune with their bodies, break free from restrictive eating and lifestyle habits, and learn how to balance their hormones naturally. So what can you expect from this podcast? Honest conversations and hot topics that should be more mainstream, like period health, cycle tracking, non-hormonal birth control, and our unique take on fad diets and trends that aren't always so supportive for women. Plus, interviews with health and wellness entrepreneurs making a big impact in the world. Ladies, it's time we align with our powers and redefine what healthy means to us. Let's get into it. Welcome back to the Solo 2.0 podcast. This is Ryan, co-founder of Your Hormone Balance. Usually I'm joined by my sister, Jess Sukin of Body Bliss by Jess. She's a holistic hormone health coach. Uh, but today's episode is just with me. We are so sorry for those who regularly listen to our podcast. Uh, we are so sorry that we haven't been more consistent with episodes every other week, which is generally what we do. Life has been so insane, thrown us some curveballs, um, and just we haven't been able to keep up with this. Um, it, it's just really been a time where personal family matters has, has had to come first. Um, and I'll share a little bit about um, that in this interview in this episode today. Um, Today's conversation is a part two with Victoria Albina. She's a certified life coach, UCSF trained family nurse practitioner and breathwork meditation guide. So in our last conversation, just I believe four episodes ago, we chatted with her about people pleasing, codependency, and overcoming perfectionism. In this conversation, it's more about working through or uh, overcoming anxiety and fear through connecting with your nervous system. And she really specializes in nervous system management and uh, the polyvagal nervous system. So in our last conversation, we talked more about the polyvagal nervous system and the three different states of that system, which include the ventral vagal, which is where you're safe, you're comfortable, uh, the symptoms. The sympathetic nervous system state where you're more anxious, fearful, uh, worried, and then dorsal, which is when there's a complete shutdown, you feel depressed and helpless. So we do touch on that in this episode. That's why I wanted to refresh briefly, because if you didn't listen to part two, that might feel uh, that might be something that you that you needed a refresher on. It's something I'm just learning about. So uh, I am also you know, learning with you, as I said. So this episode couldn't have come at a better time for both of us. It it goes deeper into the importance of understanding, as I said, connecting with your nervous system. And for me personally, I've had so much going on in this last month. I uh, I was on a I was on a trip, which was the first week was a work trip visiting my family. I worked through it, and my fiance was in. Uh, Copenhagen for a work trip while I was with my family and then we added a week in Italy for fun at the end which was awesome but when I got home I got COVID both of us got COVID for the first time hit us really hard and then after that we had a pretty scary family emergency Um, actually it happened while I still had COVID and uh, that just meant I, I have been in a heightened period of stress and 
I lost several weeks of work because I couldn't work during that time at my full capacity. And so for me running my own business, um, you know, losing any time means I have to work like double overtime. And then I'm leaving again today for France, um, for another vacation this time, this one we had planned for over a year. The last trip that I just explained was kind of a bonus last minute trip that I added on to see my family because my mom and dad live in England in Oxford now uh, for half the year. And since Thomas was over there for work, we figured let's meet up and add in Italy. But it's ended up being all a little bit too stressful because between the two trips, there wasn't a lot of time. And that whole time has been taken up with COVID family stuff and working way too much as soon as I could work again. So that's such a first world problem and nothing I really want to complain about. But, you know, and for me, it's been probably the most stressed I've ever been, especially leading up to today, trying to, to cover all of my work and get caught up and get my team trained so that I can take a two week trip and actually try not to work the entire time. So as of this moment, I have to leave for the airport in an hour. So, you know, pretty on brand for me in this season of my life to be doing this very last minute. But, um, you know, that's why this conversation is so helpful. I'm sure many of you can relate to these periods where we're just up to our neck in stress and anxiety. And even though, as I've said before, I'm building hormone balancing business, I know about the impacts of stress. Uh, and I do have really good built-in habits to manage my stress. There's just a level that sometimes you can't overcome, you know, when there's too much work, there's curveballs in life, things happen to your family or friends or, you know, unexpected events, and you just have to deal with it. So really thinking about what's happening with your nervous system, slowing down, having that self-talk, not beating yourself up is so crucial to be able to move forward in these times and really at any time, no matter what's going on in your life. It's a skill to master. It's something I have not mastered. It's something I'm working on. I'm learning a lot from Victoria. I'm so helpful or I'm so grateful to her for her insights. And, uh, I hope you all take something valuable away from it. And, uh, I also just wanted to end by explaining that Jess is going to, I believe going to do a solo episode while, while I'm gone, uh, sharing her updates. You'll hear what happened. We keep saying this family emergency. It really, um, something that happened to Jess's husband. And so she's been the most impacted and she's been really having a hard time and just wasn't in a place to talk about it or share about it. But we did feel like it was so monumental that we wanted to, um, open up a bit in this episode and, with Victoria's expertise, it was just something that we felt, um, you know, she could, she could help us work through and have some insights on. So you'll hear more about that, but Jess will get on here and share her updates and how she's working through this period of insane stress and, um, trauma, to be honest, um, from what's happened, but she is on the mend and she's, you know, getting herself back up. But, uh, I just wanted to explain that's that's where she's been and that's what she's been going through. So we hope that you enjoy this conversation and um, pretty please if, you know, we hate to ask this, but if you have been enjoying listening to our podcast, 
please uh, rate, review, and subscribe. That is really how we get more great guests on, and we are going to double down and commit to a more consistent flow in this upcoming uh, year. But just you know, thank you again for bearing with us with some inconsistencies, and we had to cancel a lot of guests because of some of the things that have been going on. So. Um, just thank you so much for continuing to show up and we really love hearing from you and hearing, um, that you enjoy episodes or even just your honest feedback. So enjoy this conversation. So we were just talking about, you know, women in your program feeling like she's being a jerk or obsessing, stressing about, you know, for once, maybe not being the perfectly nice human and what your advice, you know, what you would say. Yeah. I mean, what I was thinking was, oh my God, Megan, please, I want you to be a jerk just the once in your life. Mm -hmm. So you can know how that feels. I mean, I don't literally want anyone to be a jerk, but, but you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Her mindset, like so many of ours, is so ingrained in that good girl prototype, that good girl archetype, that way of being that prioritizes everyone and everything over us and our wellness and our just like everything in our lives is based on how will other people perceive me? What will they think of me? What will they feel about me? Right. What's going to happen in their lives. And we keep putting ourselves last. And from there, we don't trust ourselves to have good intention to own a painful impact for someone else when that happens, right? And so we hold our truth in, we hold our wisdom in, we hold our everything in because we don't fully trust ourselves that we're going to show up often the way we always have, which is being kind. You know, it's interesting as you were saying that, I'm just thinking about how, and I'll share this in a moment, we'll go into this, Jess and I have both been through a lot in recent weeks um, with a family emergency and, and, and some other things that have happened. And I'm operating at this sort of <clears throat> higher stress state than usual. Yeah. Nervous system is, um, you know, what is it? The vagus. Uh, yes, yeah, sympathetic. The sympathetic. Yep. And I just can feel it. And yet, even in this state, I'm thinking about Oh, are my friends, you know, some of my friends I haven't reached out to, um, are they, you know, I'm like thinking about throughout something we're going through about, and you know, we talked about this before, but it's crazy how I'm, I'm adding a layer of additional unnecessary stress and anxiety in a time where I should really be just focusing on myself and my family. (laughs) Yes. And right. The word unnecessary caught my attention because it is necessary to some part of you that believes you have to take care of others in order to be valued and of worth and most importantly, safe. So it is right. It's not unnecessary to adult you, but maybe there's an inner child or a protector part for whom it is super duper necessary. And so I just always pause when I hear myself saying those kind of things, right? So I can ask that part what it needs. What does it need so it can stop stressing you out, right? Yeah, it's 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 too because 
It's not completely unnecessary. And I think about, it's just life, you know, it's just balancing Mm. everything. And it's just, it's so important to me to maintain my, my female friendships. And I have friends that, you know, have struggled or are struggling with mental health issues. And I want to be that friend that's always checking in, but it's like, I'm in a place where I can't really, you know, sometimes I wish people would check in on me. Like I'm I'm not having mental health struggles, but I have had a lot of stress lately and I would reach out consistently, you know, like you see to reach out to your friends, you do all those things, but you get into these seasons of life where it's like, I can't even, oof, you know, I realized I missed a friend's birthday the other day. And it does matter so much to me that I maintain these relationships. That's one of my top values. Um, but you know, at certain times, something's got to give. And we get to give ourselves the grace. Like you get to let yourself be a human. Mm-hmm. I, I was just coaching in my program on this this morning. This woman was saying, you know, I've been making all this progress. I've been working so hard to feel my feelings, not just live from the neck up. And I don't know what's going on the last two days. Like I, I haven't been able to get into my body. Yeah. And, and with love, and, and she's been in my program a few months, we have trust, right? So I can say this. I just looked at her and I said, okay, and... And she started cracking up because in that moment, she realized she was creating this whole huge problem for herself versus just being like, all right, it looks like we're on the second day of not being able to drop in. And that's, that's what's happening. Yeah. Right. I don't need to force it. I don't need to push it. I can give myself the grace and I can honor myself as an animal, as a mammal, as a creature controlled by the tides. And I can just let it be okay. Yeah. Right. So true. Sorry. Oh, I was just going to say that that loops us back to self-trust, right? Because when we don't have that strong basis in trusting ourselves, then the brain starts going, yeah, but if you stop checking in with your body, if you stop checking in with your friends, you'll never do it again, right? You'll fall into the pit of despair and you'll die cold alone on a mountaintop, completely disconnected, right? Like everything is doomed. But when you go back to self-trust, you can say, Listen, I got quite the track record here of being that friend that checks in with their girlfriends. Like I do that. And if right now I'm not doing it, I can trust myself. I'll come back to it when I'm able. Right? Thank you for that. It is so important to self-talk, remind yourself those things because it's totally true. It's like if I wasn't someone who valued consistently checking on my friends and my relationships and I never really did it, then it wouldn't even be a concern of mine, you know? Exactly. Um, But you're right. Fighting, fighting yourself. Like, and now I'm stressed. Now I'm in the next level of the, of the nervous system. Like, right. You know, like that is not helpful. And then it's like, why am I like this? Why can't (laughs) (laughs) we get so mean? We don't even realize it. We get so mean with ourselves. Yeah. 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 It's, it's rough. Um, and you've got a part, you know, you've got partners and, and friends that are kind of like, Oh, like, you know, especially for me, Thomas, like lately the mood, the mood swing was big yesterday. And, um, it, you know, it's like, Oh, you know, he tried to come in and give me a little hug and a kiss. And I was like, not now, you know, um, reminded me twice that I had a Cairo appointment in 20 minutes. (laughs) Like, when I lost it. Like, I know I'm aware of what time we have to go. Um, so it's navigating to that. You got to be okay with yourself 
mm-hmm. um, let it ride, get through the state that you're in and not beat yourself up, but also managing your partner and their comments about what you're going through, you know, advice for that. Well, we can't manage anyone else. <laughs> yeah. Well, you can't manage Thomas. You can make requests, right? Yeah. You, you know, you can let him know, like, I'm I'm going through a thing and I know that your reminders are coming from a place of love, which it sounds like they are. Mm-hmm. And I'll let you know when I need a reminder. Yeah. That language has been so helpful for me. I'll let you know when, right? <laughs> Yeah. I'll let you know when I need an opinion. I'll let you know when I need advice. I'll let you know when I need anything. Right now, mama's in a mood. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, that's great verbiage. And this morning, I, you know, I, I apologize for my mood yesterday. And I said, just right now, like, this is a time where you might want to keep, you know, if you sense that I'm in a mood like that, which I really am not often, um, sure. but on a day like that, it's like, maybe keep your distance a little bit, you know, and I love you and I'll come back around, but understand that this is a a period of time where it's, it's a little bit more intense for me. Um, yeah. And you're crowding me. (laughs) Yeah. And I think the more we can speak directly, which can be scary and we can talk to that and how to calm the nervous system around that, but the more we can be direct and clear and honest with what we're feeling, right? Because from, from people pleasing, for example, we try to be okay for the people we love and it's a valiant effort, right? Like I honor the intention behind it, but the impact usually sucks, Yeah. right? Because we're showing up as a false self, as the one who is okay, because perhaps that was always our role in childhood. Mm. Right. That was a role we took on for our survival and our safety. But if we're not actually feeling it, the facade drops pretty fast and things go sideways. Right. Versus sitting with ourselves, which is once again, such a practice. Mm. Right. And asking ourselves, what, what am I really feeling right now? I'm feeling irritable. Okay. Body, what do you need? Space. Does that mean no, like, I don't want to talk to any of you, no one right now, right? Like body, you want full space? Yes. Okay. What do I need to resource in my nervous system so I can speak to my partner directly and honestly without my fear of abandonment or rejection or whatever rearing its head, Mm -hmm. right? And like, really, I have these conversations with myself all day long. This is what I teach my clients to do, to be in constant conversation with our own bodies, with our inner children, because the stronger we are in in our grounding within ourselves, the more we can say to each of our Thomas, like, dude, I need space. I don't want to bite your head off and I'm scared I'm going to do that. And I love you. So I'll let you know when I'm available to talk. Yeah. And so what would be... We talked about some of this in our last conversation, but quiet space, speaking to yourself, having these affirmations are all so helpful and probably step one. We talked about last time, um, some somatic practices, like feeling your arm, you know, getting into the body. Mm -hmm. What are other practices you might suggest if there's, there's different kinds of breath work, you know, we've Mm -hmm. heard about like... I think it's a four, breathe in for four seconds, breathe out for, or hold for seven seconds, breathe out for eight seconds. Sometimes yeah. I feel like that has made it, it's like too long to be holding right. and breathing out. And then I'm like, I feel yeah. worse. So, right. you know, right. there's, uh, you know, there's a lot of different ways that you can approach it. What else do you suggest? Yeah. 
Yeah. So that one you mentioned uh, is called box breathing. And the point of it, if the, if the number of seconds is too long for you, let it go. What it's really about is some kind of breath in, some kind of holding, and then a longer breath out. So okay. if you think about it, if you're being chased by a lion, are you going to take long, slow, luxurious, deep breaths in and out? Like in a yoga class? Like, absolutely not. That would be yeah. asinine, right? Like your body's like, what do you, this, what? Right? So when we breathe in and long, slow out, that lets the body know we're calm now versus you, you need to run. So you're, or breathing up in the top of the lung. So either the extreme of long and long or short and short, the body's like, uh-oh, we're under attack. This is no good. So long, short in or whatever duration in, long, slow out. Um, the, the breath work I do uh, in my programs and with my clients is based in pranayama. Then it's a breath into the belly, heart center and out. That's more of like a journey breath work. It can be really psychedelic. It's a really beautiful way to explore the nervous system uh, and get in touch with parts of ourselves, protector parts in our children we may not have as much conscious connection with. And the psychedelic part of it can be really fun. like having visions and talking to your dead and that kind of, yeah, it's pretty wild. Um, that's not really an acute care <laughs> kind of thing. That's like a Saturday morning journey work kind of thing. Okay. okay. Uh, so other ways to use the breath that can be really helpful is really just a, not even trying to change it, but attuning to it. Right. I think for those of us who are in the like wellness and spirituality kind of spaces in the world, the first place we're taught to go is to change our breath. But the, the core of somatics, soma meaning body, right? Body-based practices, um, the kind of coaching I do, is really about getting into contact with our body as it is right now. So the second we change our breath, we change our nervous system state. And I get why people want to do it. They're like, I'm anxious. I don't want to be anxious. I don't like this feeling. I need to change it. And sometimes that's appropriate, right? You need to show up, you need to drive, you need to do your job, right? You need to parent, whatever. But when we can give ourselves some space when it is appropriate, when we do have the spaciousness, even if it's just five minutes in the bathroom, right? With the door closed, to actually stay with our breath pattern when we're anxious, we can learn from our bodies what it's trying to tell us. Right, we can make contact with that emotion and the felt experience of it, and through by staying with it, we can both befriend it and allow our body to complete what's called the stress activation cycle, which is what happens when we get hunted out of ventral vagal, which is the safe and social part of the nervous system, and into either sympathetic, fight or flight, freaked out, there's a lion coming, oh my god, run, doom, worry. My boss called, my ex texted, right? Other situations of doom, my mom's calling, right? Or dorsal, which is the shutdown, disconnected, frozen, checked out, just Netflix and no awareness, no presence, right? So when we go into either state, it can be helpful to just really stay with it for a moment and, and see what we can hear, hear what we can hear and, and see what we can learn from our bodies. Very helpful, thank you. And what about the impact on our cortisol levels? What is happening in the body? Yeah. So, you know, cortisol is not our enemy. 
much like sympathetic and dorsal aren't our enemy. They're not bad things that we need to stop doing. If we didn't, so there's a cortisol awakening spike that happens about 30 minutes after we wake up for most people whose cortisol is well balanced. And that's the thing that gives you the get up and go, right? It helps you get up. It helps you get out of bed and start having your day. So we want cortisol, but we just want it in balance, right? And so when cortisol gets out of balance um, due to stress, it's a stress hormone. It's uh, adrenaline is another stress hormone. Um, when it's out of balance, it can really wreak havoc on every system in our body. It can be um, neurotoxic, toxic to our cells, and uh, can be pretty destructive. And that's on the nerd level, but on the like human level, it just feels like shit. <laughs> like it just, it just feels really shitty to have your cortisol out of whack because it means you're generally for most people in the our Western, you know, white settler colonialist, late stage capitalist culture and the patriarchy, most of us, our cortisol is too high too often. Um, folks can have what's colloquially called adrenal fatigue, which is when it bottoms out. But most of us live in that stressed out time for quite a long time before we bottom out. Mm -hmm. And it just means you're anxious, you're worried, you're stressed. Every little thing is like panic. Um, I, I remember I'm thinking of an ex of mine's mom who was very high stress about people pleasing and was very codependent. And every meal, if the table wasn't perfectly set and the rolls weren't the perfect temperature and the butter wasn't the perfect softness, like all these little things would send her into a wild tailspin. Oh, because she just needed to be seen as this perfect woman, this perfect mom, this perfect wife. Right. And that's how she's a boomer. That's how she was raised. That's how a lot of us were raised because we were raised by boomers. And yep. right. And it's just in the milieu, it's in the air. And she really felt like everything was doomed if everything at Easter dinner wasn't absolutely fucking perfect. Wow. It was, it was a lot. It was a lot. And a lot of us get that way about our relationships, right? We smell the slightest, like, oh, I don't like the way he brushes his teeth. And something inside us is like, oh, it's doomed. <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. I don't, right. I don't, she didn't text me back for like four hours. Doomed. Doom. Right. My boss wants to talk to me. Doom. <laughs> it's just like this constant doom spin out. And it's bad for our heart. It's bad for our lungs. It's bad for our digestions. Headache. I mean, on and on and on and on. Yeah. And it's just fucking exhausting. It is exhausting. Right. What, and this is a topic we talk about all the time uh, at your home balance, but what are your suggestions for, for maintaining an optimal cortisol balance? Thought work, breath work, and somatics. So really getting to know our bodies, our minds, and our spirits, and lear learning to, not learning, remembering, right? Because we all knew how to do this as babies, right? Remembering how to be deeply embodied and to recognize what is our own thinking that we want to continue to think about ourselves, about the world, and what are thoughts that were taught to us by our family of origin, by systems of oppression, by the patriarchy, right? What are thoughts in our head that we're just playing on repeat, like homegirl with the perfect dinner rolls, right? Like it has to be perfect, right? Is that her thought? I don't think that that thought originated with her. Right. But she's believing it as truth and gospel. Right. Mm -hmm. And we might have stories like my partner has to be perfect all the time or doom. I have to be a perfect worker. Right. I have to keep everyone happy with me. Right. I can't take a break from anything. 
So really doing thought work on the daily till it becomes part of our life and just the habit of how we live to ask ourselves, what am I actually thinking right now? What's my nervous system doing? What am I feeling? What, what is this interplay between my nervous system and my thinking creating in my life? And, and part, and par, part and parcel of that is learning to map our nervous systems, right? And I know we talked about this last time, but learning to understand, am I in ventral vagal, the safe and social part, or am I jacked up on adrenaline and cortisol, or am I collapsed out in that whole acetylcholine hot mess of dorsal, right? Which is a disconnected one. Where am I? Where is my nervous system? Because story follows state, which means the state of your nervous system dictates your mindset. So can you recap for those who might not have heard the first one, what you suggest in each state? If, oh, I- if you have been able to identify that you're in dorsal, for example, what would be a good activity or state of being in that moment? Yeah. So again, I do really recommend when you can staying with it. Yeah. Being with it, befriending it, letting it know I'm not mad at me. I'm not mad at this part of me, but, but like, sometimes you do have to go to a board meeting or get on a zoom call or yeah. right, coach a client and you can't like being disconnected is just kind of not going to work right now. Yeah. So we, we make prudent choices, right. To, to change our state. So, um, freeze loves cold kind of makes sense. So we can use, um, We can use things like a cold pack on our chest that can be really supportive. You want to go very, 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 very slowly um, when you are in freeze. Also when you're in sympathetic, but a little more when you're in freeze, uh, because you can accidentally sort of uh, push yourself out of the freeze too fast which can sort of zoom you up into sympathetic, like your body can think you're under attack again mm-hmm. and then can fill you with adrenaline. Um, and that feels really terrible so and like, can be sort of dangerous. So you maybe, said like dorsal, no ice baths kind of example. No, right? God, yeah. no. Yeah. Maybe have like a tiny sip of water with like a few ice cubes in it. Maybe take a little ice pack and like gently touch it to your chest the way you would touch like a little tiny kitten. Mm. Maybe taking an ice cube and like, or cold water to start and putting it on your pulse points, like where you would test a baby bottle, like at your wrists or the inside of your elbow. And if that feels good and your body's like, okay, I'm waking up a little bit, I'm coming back into presence, then you can work with an ice cube, but start with some cold water, right? Like gentle, gentle. Um, and then, uh, doing something brisk to sort of bring a little bit of energy in. So gently shaking your hands on Instagram, you'll see a lot of people sort of uh, really vigorously shaking themselves wildly. I do not recommend as the starting thing when you're in either freeze or fight or flight, we always start gently. Yeah. So freeze, bringing in a little activation energy is what your body wants, right? You telling your body it's safe to be here. It's safe to be present. I'm gently shaking my hands and then listening to your body's clues instead of overriding them. Maybe you bring the shake bigger. Maybe you bring your legs in and maybe eventually you shake your whole body, but slow and steady. And then orienting to the environment is always one of the best choices when you find that you're checked out, either freaking out, fight or flight, or just disconnected, checked out in freeze or dorsal. 
So orienting to the environment um, means, and I, I have a free download of this, I'll share in just a second, but uh, orienting to the environment means reminding your mind, your body, your inner children, and most importantly, your nervous system of who, what, where, when, and why you are, because it's forgotten all of that. So when we go into a stress, distress, or trauma uh, activation moment, the body's like, I, I'm back in that time. I'm back in the scary time. And the bad thing is about to happen again. And again, everything is doomed. Mm -hmm. And so when we orient, what we can do <clears throat> is gently look around the room and name the things we can see. We don't have to make this complicated, right? So I might look around the room and say, light switch, door, lamp, pens, candle, amethyst, hematite, way too many crystals, microphone, <laughs> calendar, right? Like mm -hmm. super simple. But the fact of doing it slows you down, invites you to pause and invites you to get real where you are here. If that's not doing it, um, you can resource your nervous system in a freeze uh, by orienting to felt sensation. And this is one of my favorites. So just feeling the chair holding you up. Or if you're standing, feeling your feet on the ground and really breathing into it. And I'll even say, it is the date. It is the time I am in my office in the Hudson Valley. I am wearing a blue shirt, my favorite black pants. I am on this interview, right? And like just stating the facts can help you come back. Mm, very helpful. Good. I'm glad. So when you said that you remind yourself of what were the five, that, who you are, like all the W's, who, where, when, why, how, you know, like the, the yes. So in that, it's it's really that simple. Like, what's in your yeah. room? What's your name? What are you wearing? Um, totally. Would, would you suggest anything deeper? Like, these are my values. Sure. Why not? If you're truly endorsed, you might not have access to that. So that's mm -hmm. important to say one of the first things that the nervous system is going to downregulate is cognition. Like your, your smarty pants, like uh, they disappear. Mm. You're just sitting there and you're not so smart underwear. They're gone. Mm. <laughs> your smarty pants free. Um, <laughs> And I think that's happened to a lot of us, right? Where something unexpected or stressful has happened. And then all of a sudden you're like, I, 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 what? I'm so sorry. What my brain just, you know, we like casually call it a brain fart, but it's usually that our nervous system went offline a touch in some direction. So I love where you're going with the values thing. And, you know, if you know you often get dysregulated at work, maybe you take your values and you print them and you put it on the corkboard behind your phone or your computer rather, or put it on your phone or put it somewhere where you can use the brilliance of your past self to help your future self mm -hmm. instead of relying on your own brain. Cause it just, it might not be there. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I've, I've, I have this like war with my own mind where I start to work on things like that. You know, I start to do, this is my arm or I start to do. And then it's like, I have this stronger voice in my head that's saying that's not going to work. You, you know, it's almost like overpowering and totally. stopping. And then I'm just like, okay, right, I'm not going right. to do anything, you know? So sometimes I find, which obviously is something that I need to actively work on. Um, I think what you're saying is incredibly doable, simple, manageable. Um, but some of the things I, I see myself talk out, talk myself out of, and I stop totally. doing. So that's why sometimes 
writing things down, I think can be really helpful. Super helpful. Super helpful. Yeah. And one of the the key things I invite my clients to do and my listeners to do is to really be their own scientist Mm -hmm. and run your own experiments with yourself and think of all these self-care and healing tools as just something you're trying on, right? Because it is super individual. And just because it works for me or it works for you, it might not work for someone else. And that's cool, right? So I wonder, could I offer you a phrase and we'll see maybe if it helps. So I wonder if in that moment, if you turn to that mean voice and said, you know what, it might not, but I'm willing to do the experiment. I'm willing to give it a go. Yeah. Right. Because I have found over the years that mean voices, intense voices, they really just want to be heard because they think they're protecting you. So for me, and I've seen it in hundreds of clients, as soon as we're like, you know, you might be right, mean voice. You might be right. This may be a total failure and a loss of 12 seconds. Totally. (laughs) Totally. Right? Yeah, it's literally 12 seconds. Yeah. Right? But just the acknowledgement might make it be like, oh, okay. Okay. Thanks for for listening. Okay. (laughs) Cool. I'll, I'll be here to freak you out. soon. Thanks. Bye. Right. (laughs) Yeah. 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 So just giving it some love. It just means well, it's just, um, I often think of like, if you don't speak uh, Greek and a voice starts talking to you in Greek, it's, it's not that that voice is wrong. It's just not a language that you currently speak or want to speak, Mm -hmm. right. Or understand that language of meanie pants. Yeah. It can get so loud. Well, I want, I want to switch gears a bit. Um, and I think Jess and I are going to do an intro to this conversation, uh, with me and you to share what's been going on just because it's been very, like, we haven't talked about it. It's been just, you know, dealing with it in real life and I haven't told you about it yet. And, um, but it's relevant, you know, to all the work that you do. And so, uh, Jess couldn't make it today because she had a migraine and, um, you know, what's interesting is Jess had a brain injury years ago. Um, Mm. she was in a hospital. They used to teach English in Korea. She was in a hospital for a week and had like 15 staples in her head. She hit, she slipped and hit a toilet. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. And you know, to this day, we wonder if like her fear of flying, like she's developed these new things, you know, we used to, we were raised in England. We traveled to Egypt and all kinds of places when we were young. Like we were world travelers and now she's intense fear of flying Mm. side note, but that, you know, these things are popping up and now she's getting more frequent migraines. Mm. Um, and she's a health coach. So she also, and she is like practices what she preaches. She, you totally. know, she does not do, you know, she's eliminated every trigger and she's been through this before where she really did heal herself from headaches that were stemming from lifestyle, um, triggers and things like that. Um, but now it's kind of getting to the point where it's, it's like, it's not cycle related. It's just kind of random. So, um, side tangent to say, we don't know still if that, if this is happening from that, you know, right. or, <clears throat> or what it is. And some people just never know the reason of their, their headaches or migraines, but, but also right now is this incredible time of intense stress because, um, I think it was almost three weeks ago now that, um, just found, um, her, her husband, he had a bad fall, uh, had a, a head injury himself was oh. unconscious and, um, 
she had to spend five days in the hospital. He was not awake. He was in a brief coma when he arrived. And it was just really obviously incredibly scary. We didn't know if he was going to make it. And the things that people say, you know, the doctors and nurses, like the majority are good, but then there's all these comments that are like, oh, you know, he could not speak. He could be a vegetable, like just the craziest stuff. And so she has been now through this trauma, um, of, seeing what happened of being in the hospital for days without sleeping, literally like did not sleep because there was constantly, constantly people in and out of the rooms. Um, his mom flew out, like, um, didn't eat like almonds for dinner. Like there's nothing, you know, we're all trying to help her, but, and, um, and now dealing with this perpetual, like just intent being in a state of just high anxiety, feeling well, it went from high anxiety, you know, obviously like adrenaline, cor- high cortisol to, you know, coming out of it now. He's, he's okay. I should share that. Oof, okay. Yeah. Thank best goodness. Case, best case scenario. Right. They have a pile of hospital bills, which sure. is adding to stress that existed before. Right. Um, and, you know, it's just coming out of it for both of them. They're trying to move slow. They're trying to reduce their workload. They're trying to recoup, recalibrate, but now she's entering the phase where, well, she couldn't sleep for a while after that. And then now she's entering the phase. She's weak. She's much yeah. more emotional than usual. She's um, now, you know, it's crazy because she didn't get a headache at all. And now she's getting, now it's like, and right. she started going to therapy for the first time. And oh, good. her headache came on af- last night um, after that. So it's almost like it's like, you know, just to yep. say all, all of the reasons that your yeah. body just sort of shut down. Um, yeah. and so it's a lot to share and to kind of put on you, but I, I just, you know, we, we obviously this is a trauma. This is a yeah. body system response. This is exactly the kind of thing that you, you talk about. Okay. So just as an examination of what happens to the body when trauma happens or intense stress happens. What is, you know, what is yeah. going on? Yeah. Well, so, so much is going on. Um, when the body is called, uh, to activate, to take action, there is that adrenalizing, right? The adre- adrenaline starts flooding the body from, uh, the, the need to either escape or attack or fend off attack. Uh, and in this case, that energy, that mobilization energy, I'm sure, you know, she raced to the hospital or called 911 and then drove behind an ambulance, got him admitted, like all that, like have to work so fast stuff. Uh, and everyone's response is going to be different. Some people completely crumble and like just completely melt. Um, and, you know, there's no judgment in any direction for any of these responses, BT dubs. Crumbling is not a bad thing. One of my favorite cookie crumbles, and who does not love a cookie, right? Like crumbling is great. If that's what your body needs to do to protect you, great. So some folks will go into that dorsal response of the like, I can't, I don't know. I mean, I just, I don't know. I can't. And some people, so I go into the, hi, okay, I'm here to help. We're going to make this work. We're going to do everything possible, right? Like uh, I'm a nurse practitioner for a reason, Right. And I worked hospice. I was, I was like, okay, hi. So your dad is actively dying. Mm. I'm going to want you to go in the room. I'm going to get some morphine. And, um, he's got about three minutes. So 
I'll see you in his room. Right. And it's not just shut down. It's just, it's just that like functional capacity to, to manage stress as a, often as, as an adult version of a trauma response from childhood, quite frankly, now I'm, you know, putting it in terms of myself. So when there's acute trauma, we either go into dorsal and we shut down against it, or we go into fight or flight and we get activated around it. And we want to do all the things and be that doing tornado. Um, and so then the body is flooded with either set of chemicals, the stress hormones we were talking about, adrenaline, eventually cortisol, um, or those are not present in the body. We don't have enough activation energy to get up and go and do the things we need to do. And we're the one who's on the couch. Like, I can't believe this is happening. Checked out. Um, it's interesting that you said just didn't get a headache the whole time he was in the hospital. They get home. She does therapy. And then bada boom, right? And so I liken that to, you know how during finals week, no one has a cold, everyone feels fine. And the <laughs> second you go home for the holiday break, it's like, yeah, I've got the sniffles. Everyone's got the flu. Our whole class is so wildly sick. Yeah. Right? Your body is just recognizing that, that it's a moment of high stress and it's holding back those symptoms, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's helping you to push through in what's hopefully a short-term boost and a burst of adrenaline and cortisol. Um, but then, yeah, those symptoms will often come on pretty strong and pretty quickly because they've been held back. Mm -hmm. And so something like coaching or therapy or some sort of process where you are talking about the stressor once it's passed, totally can open the floodgates and migraine is a, is a pretty common response. Headaches are a pretty common response, um, post-stress. Yeah, definitely. Poor baby. I know. I know. It's just, it's crazy. Cause it's a lot. Yeah. And she's a, you know, she's a coach, so she's got clients right. take. Cool. And then when she has to push it back, then it's like, now we've got a bunch of them in one week and right. that adds stress. So then sometimes she tries to just take them and, right. you know, so it's just, it's how, how do you, how do you cope or how do you, I don't know if you have strategies or tips for like, how do you ease yourself back in after a period of, if it's a trauma or if it's a burnout, like, you know, what, how do you, how do you handle life after this? Yeah. Yeah. So I really would start with resourcing in the nervous system. So a resource for our nervous system is anything that we can use to support ourselves, regardless of what state we're in. So it's not just something that brings us, you know, so for freeze, we were talking about using cold to bring us back for fight or flight. We can use warm to bring us back to ventral to the safe and social part. And a resource is something that either helps you change your state or helps you safely stay in the state you're in. So you can be in process with it and can befriend it and can work with it. And so a resource can be a felt sensation like a weighted blanket. It can be the memory of someone beloved, or it can be co-regulating your nervous system, which means bringing your nervous system into um, resonance with someone else's nervous system. So, you know, there's all these studies, you pet pets, right? Cats and dogs and whatever lives in people's houses, and it helps to lower your blood pressure, your heart rate. It brings you towards ventral vagal. And what's happening is that your nervous system is co-regulating with theirs because they're not they're not freaked out. Like they're totally fine. They may be worried about you, but mm-hmm. you know, but it's a very different experience than hospital bills and beeping IV tube poles and all that stuff. Right. So, mm-hmm. um, resourcing our nervous system, connecting in with another human, 
with an animal, with nature, with someone who's passed. So one of my biggest resources is, is my abuela Marta. I never met her. She died long before I was born, but I grew up with my tia, who was my primary caretaker when I was very small, telling me all about her mom. Like my young, I know it's very sweet. Like my youngest memories are like sitting on her lap and hearing these stories about how great her mom was. Right. And so she's this, like, there's pictures of her on my altar. She's a huge resource for me, but I never met her. Mm. Right. But I feel this spirit heart level connection with her. And when I feel stressed or I feel worried or I am close to uh, the edge of my capacity to stay present with myself while having an emotion, that's when I call on her to support me. Mm. Or I'll go out in the yard and I'll just lie down on the grass and I'll just lie there and feel the connection with the earth. And yes, I do a tick check after, (laughs) but we have to be responsible here, right? Come on. Right. No one needs more Lyme. No, no babiosis. Thank you. But, uh, you know, I go and I lie down in the yard or I, I connect with nature. I lived in Brooklyn. I would just look out my window and connect with a bird, connect with a squirrel, connect with a tree, right. Or call a loved one. When you said, um, sharing memories or looking at photos too memories is is a good idea yeah a friend of mine um, well my best friend lost her other best friend recently and she was just sharing so many photos and I think that really was healing for her yeah for Um, sure sharing photos looking through photos um but you know I would say for Jess I think uh she's got really good instincts of what what they need to do and she's just the best she is like the best coach and just Mm. she's like my you know she's my built-in coach for any stress or anything she she knows inherently what to do but she hasn't been through something like this level so right you know today getting this headache it's like I thought I was on the mend from what just happened and now I'm back you know Ah. and it's constant like and so you know we've been voice noting before our conversation and, um, I'm just, you know, reminding her to just to be, you know, and I think it really is just feel, allow yourself to feel just do not stress. It's tough too, because we have this business together. She works in partnership. So she has, she feels so bad when she's out. Cause then I, I'm, (laughs) I'm out help. Um, but it's like this reminder that, you know, you're, you're having to figure all this out as a couple individually. Um, and it's going to benefit you in so many ways in the future. I'm sure this slowing down this perspective, this step back, like there were things that, you know, habit changes, um, that for her husband to work on, um, you know, just things like this put life into perspective. So I think she, she's got a lot of the great, um, great instincts, but it is, uh, it is, it is hard to know, like, what is the right thing to do? She was, she was thinking about hypnotherapy. I don't know if I remember if I mentioned that. Oh, another thing they've been painting with, they've just been doing the cutest activities together, you know, slowing down and, um, you know, checking out new parts of LA or whatever, but it's interesting. Mm -hmm. It's like, they've been trying not to work, but then Mm -hmm. the not working can contribute to anxiety. So it's finding that balance. It's finding the balance. Yeah. And then if therapy has obviously been super helpful for her, but I wonder if there's certain types that may be too much, mm. you know, um, or if there's a frequency that's too right. much, like it's too much to process. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I think there can be, right? I think uh, too much, too fast. You know, when we look at the studies around acute trauma, the things that keep trauma from creating those significant impacts somatically through the body are pretty immediately having someone to connect with, right? Connecting with anyone, right? And just making eye contact if that's within your your neurology you're, to do that, right? If that's a thing you do. Um, being held, again, if touch is available for you and feels safe, right? Getting a hug, um, even just like first responders will just from instinct, just put a hand on your arm, right? Probably should ask consent more than than <laughs> we do, but right. But the instinct is that mammals want to be touched generally, right? And please for autistic folks listening, I, I'm, I love you. Yeah. And I'm just speaking in broad strokes, uh, generalities here about animals, mm -hmm. animals that are stressed want touch. They, because if you think about compression, it means safety. It's why weighted blankets work, right? Mm -hmm. So if touch from a human or an animal doesn't work for you, grab your weighted blanket, right? Give that touch to yourself, mm -hmm. right? Let your animal body know that you're safe. And so to your point around therapy, uh, telling your story immediately can be really supportive. There's really good evidence base around that. Um, and then after some time, continuing to tell it can be re-traumatizing. So I'd encourage anyone who's been through stress, distress, and trauma or a challenging time like this, if someone else wants to hear your story and you don't want to tell it, you don't have to, right? If someone comes up to you and is like, oh, I heard you were, you know, some, this X, Y, Z bad thing happened. Okay. Tell me about it. You really do get to say like, I'm not in a space where I want to talk about it. And I really appreciate your asking. Like, thank you for the love. And like, no. <laughs> yeah. Like just yeah. now. Just now. Right? Yeah. I think that's been difficult for her to navigate, sure. like not really wanting to share stuff and, you know, field a million questions. Right. But also this is something major she's been through and right. she does share a lot on her Instagram. So, right. you know, she's someone that usually posts every day. And so she was gone for a while. So people kind of, you know, were tuned right. into that and sure. um, I'm like MIA on Instagram. So nobody knows what I'm up to, but right. <laughs> I think she feels like this, uh, you know, responsibility to fill people in, but not wanting to give too much. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, we never, like, I get why she feels that, right. Like I honor that and she doesn't owe it to anyone yeah. to tell her story. Right. We owe it to ourselves to share our story when it's helpful with people who will be helpful and supportive and loving and caring and kind, but we don't owe our story to Instagram or anyone else. Right. Literally. And if you're I don't know, your boss or somebody, right. Has a bunch of questions about why you weren't in, you don't, you don't owe anyone your intimate details. Right. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And here we are sharing the, <laughs> here we are sharing all the details. Um, right. but you know, I think at a certain point she was like, I guess I'm, you know, I, we knew speaking to you today could be really helpful and it yeah. already has been. And I'm excited I'm for her to, to listen to, to all the, the gems you shared. And, yeah. um, can I share one like silly yes. sounding one? So I read this study recently about Tetris and <laughs> Tetris. 
actress for trauma. I'm like, not kidding. It sounds like it's like it's from the onion, but it's not. So there was a study. I wish I had it pulled up. Um, but it was about in moments, like right after a car accident, a trip to the hospital, a thing playing Tetris helps the body to downregulate the stress response. Oh, and I don't recommend, I don't remember the mechanism of action off the top of my head. Cause I read this like two weeks ago, but it like, there's studies, like there's a study that shows this. Mm. And one of the things I talk about a lot is conscious distraction. So you know how it can be in the wellness world. We're like doing all the healing and we should like never take a break and watch Parks and Rec or like The Office, two of the best shows ever made or whatever. But like, we're above that, right? We're like meditating and drinking cacao, right? We're all the things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, cool. But like your nervous system needs a break, right? Mm -hmm. Your nervous system, like after a day of clients or a day of teaching or whatever. And so it's really important to consciously decide like, yo, I am checking out for an hour. Mm -hmm. I'm putting limits on it. I'm not going to spend 12 hours or what, you know what I mean? Just, and go unconscious, spend however much time you want. It's the unconscious part I'm interested in, right? I'm going to stay present. I'm going to stay with myself and I'm making the choice to eat whatever, do whatever, right? And let my nervous system rest. And my favorite way for years has been Tetris on my phone. And so when I saw this study, I was like, good job, nervous system. Yeah. Uh, Right? Well, I like that you said that because it can be too much to be caught up in your brain sometimes and overthinking things. And so having distraction is helpful. And certainly something complex. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's not stressful, you know, Right. it's, it's just distracting. It's just distracting in a really present way. If that makes sense. Yeah. (laughs) Like you're present in your body, consciously distracting yourself. It's really helpful. And I think it goes to that, you know, you're talking about just being like, oh, I was so like in the flow. And then I felt like I was healing. And it's, I think it's very common to get really annoyed with ourselves and frustrated with ourselves, particularly when this is the work we do and what we teach people and coach people on to feel like, oh, me, a setback, like what is going on that I don't feel amazing a hundred percent of the time. Yeah. Right. And it's really just reminding ourselves that healing is not linear. That's, that's not how a nervous system works. It's not how bodies work. It's certainly not how inner children work because it's not how human children work. Like babies will learn how to walk and then they're just like, "Hmm," or not. And they'll (laughs) crawl for a little while. Right. Then they'll walk again and then they'll run and then they don't want to run. Like, it's just normal. It's just, it's just mammals. And if you need to remember that you are a mammal and we're weird, go watch a squirrel. <laughs> Seriously, I have this pair in my backyard that are obsessed with trying to get on my bird feeder and they will go to any lengths to get up there and it closes on it. Like they can't eat from it, but they want to go there. And they're just absolutely wild. Like I'm surprised they haven't gone and rented a chainsaw and just cut it down because I wouldn't put it past them right? We are strange little animals and we forget that. And it, it's such a disservice to our hearts because we expect ourselves to be like this perfectly healed and healing goddesses, which we are, but drop the perfect part. We are. Yeah, I know. I think uh, it's super important for people in the health and wellness world to hear this conversation, yeah. um, be honest about these things. I posted yep. a a real yesterday on your hormone balance, you know, I'm building a business about hormone yeah. balance. And yet yeah. I find myself, I have, a, we have a lot of clients. We have a lot of 
demand all the time and I don't sure. have a lot of coverage for myself. And we work as a family and we're all interconnected. So money, money stress are just the ups and downs of running a business sure. all interconnected, you know? And, um, I, I was honest in yesterday's post about just like, I know all the things to do and I, and I do have really good habits and built in r- rituals and routines that support my hormones, um, you know, daily. And I, I don't really experience severe imbalance symptoms. I know about regular period, all this kind of stuff, but stress okay. is no matter who you are going to mm-hmm. be the hardest thing to consistently manage. And there are situations that you can't control and seasons of life and these things that happen out of, you know, wherever that you can't control. Right. And so I, 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 I want to be honest about it. Part of me is like, Oh, then people are like, well, how are you even doing this business? You know, but I'm not, I'm not the hormone health expert or, or coach I'm building up the business side. I just sure, have sure. learning so much about it. Um, but it is, it's like, I think, I think that happens to any coach, any doctor, any therapist you have, especially dealing with clients, you're going to have a ton of stress and you take on, you know, it's hard not to take on your client's problems. I know that's maybe part of the reason, um, that it was difficult your practice too, um, or, or the expectation of people oh, yeah. to, fix, to fix them. Oh, you for know? sure. Um, and to, to, to really, yeah, to really help and, 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 and not, you know, have them be successful in working with you. For sure. So, you know, even maybe more than other professions, being in health and wellness can be, you know. Well, I mean, I think there's a reason we're drawn to these health professions. It's because, you know, in beautiful ways, we are nurturing, we are loving, we are caring, we are kind. And for many of us, it can come from a a deep-seated codependent way of thinking about and relating to the world. Mm -hmm. You know, I have a, I coach people within a six-month container called Anchored. And I'd say that in general, a solid half of every group is our healthcare providers, therapists, physicians, PTs, PAs, and like social workers, therapists, like it is coaches, tons of coaches in my program, master certified coaches. Mm. And it's because we often get into these professions from that codependent story. And sometimes we've healed some of it, but still a lot of the time we haven't. And so of course we take on other people's stress. We believe in the core of our being that it is our job to fix them. And that if their hormones don't get balanced, if their Dutch test doesn't improve, if their you know uh, progesterone to testosterone balance isn't better within three months, we have failed, not just as providers, but as human beings. Mm. And it is a shit ton of stress to put on ourselves, mm-hmm. right? Because, and, and from that same wounding, that codependent wounding, we will say that there's something that we are failing if we're not meeting other people's completely wild expectations, mm-hmm. right? Like I, I can't, do the medical things to help you reverse a lifetime of PCOS in three months, like fully reverse that. I I can give you a lot of tools and tricks and now, you know, using bringing thought work and somatics and breath work into using hormones and dim detox, et cetera. But if a patient or a client has that expectation, you get to help them manage that and you get to release your attachment to their expectation. Cause if not, you're going to burn out. It's like yeah. a one-way trip to burnout, Val. And it's not cute there. Have you seen it? 
I mean, yeah. there's not a cafe. There's not like the park sucks. There's always sharks in the water. It's not a cute town. It's not a cute town. It's not overrun by pirates at all times. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think it's not unique to uh, definitely a heightened problem within the health industry um, or just any coaches, client, think, coaching, yeah, client, client facing. facing. Yeah. Issue. But, but in general, I think a lot of people, hmm. most people understand that stress is, Toxic, oh, totally. Ooh. You know, that it's not good for us. Yeah. But whereas there's other things that you can do, you know, your you control your nutrition or, or, or eat a well-balanced meal, movement, all of these things. Um sometimes the stress portion, it, it's just I think the hardest to really be like, oh, especially if I'm running my own business or I have a crazy boss, like these demands don't go away. No, um, but we do get to change our relationship to them. Yes. And I mean, everything you do applies to this problem because it's, yeah, you can do all these other things. But the last thing that we're willing to do is sit with ourselves and our thoughts, do this body work, name things in the room, help. We can, we can actually bring ourselves into a better state, but we don't do that. And I don't know why it seems so hard for people to develop that practice like right. meditation, it's difficult for people to develop that practice. We resist. Well, I think it's because you know, there's so many layers to it, but for most of us, we learned, or for many of us, we learned in childhood that it was safer and smarter not to be with ourselves, right? To take care, particularly for human socialized as women, we're taught as girls to take care of everyone else, put everyone else ahead of us, focus on everyone else, plus danger, right? We had to be hypervigilant. We had to be on the constant lookout, you know? And so it makes sense that we very smartly took in the message that stepping away from ourselves was the smartest, safest move. So there's that. And then, you know, under late stage capitalism, productivity is valued over everything. And so the things that are intangible are not valued. And we are rather, they're even actively devalued, right? Whereas you can post a picture of your salad online and you can tell yourself, right? Like I ate all the right things, but sitting quietly with yourself in the bathtub, right? Like it doesn't even have to have water. I just love sitting in the bathtub, right? It's a contained space. Yeah. Right? Sitting quietly under a tree. Where are you going to post about that? How are you going to count that? How are you going to qualify that, quantify that? Is it good enough? But you know your salad was good enough. You know, right? You know that the kale salad with the whatever, pumpkin seeds for selenium and all this stuff. Like, you know it was exactly so good, so laudable. Makes you such a good person under diet culture, right? Under the commodification of everything. And you can't commodify sitting with sadness and we don't have the tools, right? We're we're taught to, to push our feelings away from very, very young. And so it makes sense that it's scary in the nervous system. It's scary for the inner children, right? And that's why we, we need to work with trained trauma therapists. We need to work with coaches like me who are trained in somatics and, you know, know how to hold space for these things because it's very challenging to do on our own until it isn't. Mm -hmm. Right. 
And that's the feminist model I work in. I don't want people to feel dependent on me. Like them, I don't want to trade the, the codependency from their mom to me. Like, no, thank you. Right. No gods, no gurus. I teach people how to do the things for themselves. Yeah. Show them that it's possible, support them, hold space in a loving community and container, and then release them back to the wild, knowing they have what they need now. Yeah, it, it's so true that we have these ingrained habits and rituals that are glorified, but what you teach is not second nature, I think, to enough people. And I do think that working in a container, working in a group, working with a coach is a way to prioritize that yeah. and incentivize yourself to make it something that's ingrained. So I think that's a great place to, to end this for you to share your offerings and how people can join. Yeah. So I have a podcast. Um, it is called Feminist Wellness and it is free in all the places every week. And it talks all about all of these topics that I'm so obsessed with, like somatics and the nervous system and codependency, perfectionism and people pleasing. Um, I run a six month program called Anchored Overcoming Codependency, where we work with these kinds of, with all the modalities that I shared. Uh, you can find me on the gram. I give good gram at Victoria. Albino Wellness and a special present for your listeners. If you head on over to victoriaalbina.com slash solo, S-O-L-O, the name of this glorious and amazing show, well, half the name, um, you can download a set of orienting exercises, nervous system exercises, and meditations for completely free for being a listener. And to thank you for having me on the show, not once, but twice. How lucky am I? Hey, how lucky so are we? This is really needed today. And yeah. Uh, you know, for those listening, Victoria has the most amazing podcasts and reviews too that attest to. Just, I mean, that's uh, that's hard to get that many great reviews. So, um, and for your courses, is it actively ongoing? Is there a new one that opens? Yeah, the, the next group starts in November and is um, about a quarter full already. Okay. Um, so it always fills up. So if you're interested, check it out, victoriaalbina.com slash anchored. Um, you can learn more and get on the wait list. I'm going to look that up for myself and probably I'd for Jess too and download all of the exercises you said, cause it's just so timely and needed right now. So right thank now. you so much. Oh my gosh. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you for all the amazing work you do in the world. Aww. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 